Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt. I'm Dory. And we are here to just have a podcast time. I hope you're all ready. <laughs> Woohoo! Here we go. Some of you celebrating, obviously. Some of you aren't. I get it. You know, podcasts aren't for everybody. That's true. Yep, that's that's true. Yep. Uh, let's talk about. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Well, Henry has seemed to. He seems to be imprinting on me today and yesterday. Yeah. I don't know why yesterday. I think because I took him to the beach in the morning. Oh, yeah. So he yeah. was like... Mm, this lady gets it. Yeah. Turns uh, out he loves the beach. I mean, we knew he loved the beach, but I like really saw it in action yesterday. And like everything we've been learning about him as like a sensory seeker just like made a lot of sense. Nice. Punch. Um, I like it. Thank you. Like he... Oh my gosh, he was just so excited to get into his bathing suit, get into his swim diaper. He made sure that I brought, I, I, have, I was like, 
I'm not going to bring this bathing suit. It's too cold to go in the water. And he was like, pack the bathing suit, pack the swim diaper. Yeah, I was a little like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, as soon as we got onto the sand, he was like, he was like taking off his clothes. Like, I mean, not that he wanted to. That's not surprising. But the fact that you were like, okay. Well, I was like, okay. I mean, if this is going to make him happy. He keeps asking to go in the pool. And then this morning, he wanted to go back to the beach. Yeah, he keeps asking to go in the pool. I'm like, but it's too cold. And we stood at the edge of the ocean for, I don't know, half an hour, just letting like waves lap over our feet. And then sometimes they would reach up to his shorts, yeah. which was very exciting. Big wave, big wave. Um, yeah, he played in the sand. He liked washing his feet off when we were done. Then he put more sand on his feet so we could wash them again. He likes a he likes a cold. He likes a temperature extreme. Yeah, that ocean was cold, very cold. Well, it's also why he dumps cold water on his head. Yeah, I was thinking maybe in I'll, the bathtub. You know, he wanted to like go farther into the ocean. Of course, right? Um, I did not bring my bathing suit, nor would I have gone farther into the ocean even if I did have my bathing suit on because it was freaking freezing but i was like maybe i should get a wetsuit i mean i'll go next time i'm ha i'll happily go in i have you know i have shorts usually what do you think about getting a wetsuit personally no me oh you i mean whatever go ahead get a wetsuit well, who's stopping you nobody that's exactly what i'm saying here get a wetsuit you might use it one time mm-hmm Maybe you use it 400 times. Yep. Do you think there's a chance you'd use it zero times? No. Okay. I would think I would use it at least one time. Right. Okay. And then you'd be like, well, this isn't for me or this is for me. Well, you know, I did take surfing lessons like 10 years ago. Where? New York. And then I did a surf camp. In there were surfing lessons in yeah, New York? Yeah, in the Rockaways. And then I did a week-long surf camp in the Dominican Republic. What? Yep. When the hell were you in the Dominican Republic? 2012, 2011. Boy, I'm learning a lot about you through this podcast. Thank you. 2011, I think it was. Yeah. 2011, you were at a surf camp in the Dominican Republic for a week. Mm -hmm. In 2011, I was um, living in vaguely the same neighborhood and working at the Apple store. <laughs> I mean, whatever. To each their own. Yeah. Different trajectories. Yep, yep, yep. We ended up in the same place. And do you like uh, surfing? I mean, I don't see... I've never well, seen you California surf. You know, it's funny. I was texting about this with my friend Mallory, who I went to the beach with yesterday, and her son. Um, and I was like, it's weird. Like, I... I learned how to surf in New York, which isn't like, you know. Bizarre, yeah. There, I mean, there there are surfers in New York, for sure. There is a small surfing scene there, but it's not like known for surfing, per se. Right. I was like, and I've not been once since I moved to LA. Yeah. And then she suggested we take surfing lessons together. And I was like, I mean, I could be into that. Is this why you really want to buy a wetsuit? Well, I brought up, I said to her, should I get a wetsuit so I can go in the water with Henry? And she was like, yeah, I have one from when I did some surfing lessons. And then we were talking about surfing. And then she was like, I would, like, I would be down to 
do that again if you want like and then we we're like oh i think it's good as the water heats up and more and more great whites are seen further and further north i think now is the time to surf okay thanks you're welcome wow sorry i mean i've seen a lot of jaws so next tomorrow i get an email saying your husband has increased your life insurance policy to five million dollars <laughs> with, with a two billion dollar bonus for shark <laughs> oh no um anyway it was just it was it was interesting it was and it was like nice to see how much henry just like really like he just really enjoyed himself and then i really had to work hard to make sure he didn't fall asleep in the car yeah, I mean, it's always the struggle of yeah. when you drive any distance uh, between 11, 15, and 1. Yeah. <laughs> any distance, it's like a... Yeah. Because the car is a great place to fall asleep. Oh, totally. Especially when you've been like... I mean, we weren't even there that long. or there maybe an hour and a half, two hours, hour and a half. Um, but, you know, he was like really, really active um it was also a a day where i was like oh right this is why people live in los angeles it's february 5th and we're at the beach and it's like sunny and nice out and i can do this should have gone up to big bear and skied done that in thing. the afternoon yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah surfed, surfed in, in the, the morning, morning skied in the, in the afternoon, afternoon and then you're supposed to do something in the evening i don't know paraglide or something Sounds dangerous. Disney World Land, Disneyland. In oh, the evening, maybe Disneyland in hit the it evening. up. Just do that SoCal thing. Um, yeah, that's good. I'm glad that that was a wonderful time for you guys. Um, we jammed a little bit more. Yeah, I had last night jam sesh that yeah. did not last long because of Dory's beach going. She was tired from chasing a toddler around all morning. I don't think it was the beach going. I think what, it was what killed you. I think it was the poker playing the night before. Who, is, who am I even talking to here, <sighs> guys? This is. I now play in a monthly outdoor poker game. Dory plays in a monthly outdoor poker game with let's some go, other. Let that sink with in. some other moms. It's a mom poker game. It's a mom poker game. So when you guys are out, it is just like, let's fucking stay out. I I guess. I mean, like I left I left at eleven fifteen, I think. Mm-hmm. And four of the people there were like, let's keep playing. The latest I've ever gambled until is probably seven in the morning. So I feel you. I mean, I feel like when you used to play poker IRL, you would come home at like two. Yeah. Regularly. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um Yeah, I played in a weekly game for a long time. I do see how you end up just staying up. Like I was like, I could have stayed. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I was like, I should go home. Like it wasn't like I was falling asleep at the table. Mm-hmm. You just have that like adrenaline. Sure. And then also know? if you're like you're behind and you want to catch up, you gotta yeah. stay. You gotta play some hands. Well, I did I ended up down not that much, but at one point I had to rebuy. I mean, I was I was pretty down. Wow. And then I had a really great hand. I was getting such bad cards. Card dead, you know, don't play. Who cares? And Card then, dead. You get bored and then you start playing garbage. And then I finally won a couple hands after like a lot of bad hands. Yeah. So anyway, so that was why I like 
I felt like I didn't sleep. I didn't get enough sleep. So I was very tired. But the irony, of course, is that I still went to bed after you. Like, you got home and then... Friday night? Oh, yeah. You were still watching Ghostbusters. Yeah. I was, like, watching the 4K Ghostbusters. Um, I know, but as discussed many times, I need more sleep than you. Yeah, I guess. I just... it's You know this. Whatever. It's fine. But all I was saying was we played till 8.30 in the evening last night. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. It was our jam sesh. In case anyone wanted to know, we still did it. It was pretty fun. Tried a couple, tried some ABBA, and then it was just like, well, this is never going to get played because it's going to take too long to learn. And then what else did we start with? I don't remember. There was some other song. And then we landed on Tears for Fears. And then I showed Dory how to be in a band. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Just, uh, she's like, well, I, you know, she usually prints music out. I'm like, don't, you don't have to print anything. Just here, listen. And then we'll find the, oh, take on me, which had six synths going at the same time. Mm -hmm. And Dory couldn't, I mean, it was impossible to hear what synth was doing what. And then it's like, well, what synth would you be playing? And, you know, we got a voicemail email about this. And I think it will be enlightening to you because it kind of, um, agrees with a lot of what I've been saying about the difference between piano and guitar. Mm. I think you'll find it enlightening. Well, that's quite a tease. Yep. I think we should stay, all stay tuned for that. I agree. Um, so if you want to be an email that we tease, uh, <laughs> email us, Dory Matt at Gmail or Matt and Dory at Gmail. You may also uh, go ahead and uh, phone us. Yeah. 413-461-BABY. Yeah. Uh, leave a voice memo. If you want to email a voice memo, you can. If you don't want to call, play those international rates. We got a couple of emailed voice memos this week. Great. And then the other thing I would say is uh, you could text it too. Text mm-hmm. that number. Mm-hmm. All right. Lots of good discussions coming. And yeah. uh, we will be right back. All right. BRB. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like, I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love, 
anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything, because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock, or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know those, like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. All right, Dory, where are we? We're here recording a podcast, but what's what's next here? What do we what do we have? Are we gonna jump into the jam one or are we gonna talk about um, something else first? Well, I mean, I didn't have the jam one. You had um, that. You had that. I had that later in the, last in the episode. Toward it, sort of in the fun zone. In the fun zone, um, but I mean, you can leave it there. It's fine. So you know, I feel like we should. just... Wow, stay tuned. I love this long tease. Leave it there. You know, the long tease, everybody. Yeah, it's yeah, coming. Yeah. Well. Um. All right. Well, let's let's start with an email from anonymous. Matt and Dory, long time, first time. First, the easy question. I'm not currently a Facebook group member, partially because I don't want to broadly share that I'm doing IVF with, say, my super Catholic parents or random person with whom I went to middle school and with whom I haven't communicated since. And I'm wondering if joining the group shows up on someone's profile or not. No, it doesn't. Good to know. Also, given the content below, I have some fears about revealing my identity as I look for support and completely understand if you do not want to read this email on the pod. Too late. We're reading it. My husband and I have been trying to have a baby for a year and a half. I'm now 39. He is 40 and we have undiagnosed infertility. We did two rounds of IVF. The first round resulted in three abnormal embryos. Um, The second round resulted in one abnormal embryo and two inconclusive embryos. We're told the chance of one inconclusive embryo is less than 1%. Somehow we got two in one round. Shortly after receiving those results, I found out I was spontaneously pregnant, not so spontaneous in reality, thanks to ovulation tracking kits and a desperate desire to have a child. I spent around six weeks completely sidelined by morning sickness, e.g. unable to walk my dog somehow, only ever get, actually getting sick from water and subsisting off chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, bread, and days full of breaks lying in my bed between work calls. The seven and 10 week ultrasounds looked great. I guess what I'm saying is I went from being paranoid about a miscarriage to thinking something was finally working out. And then came the NIPT results. They show 95% high risk for trisomy 21 Down syndrome. 
We're completely devastated. We're going for the diagnostic testing this week, but we have decided to terminate the pregnancy if it's positive. Related note, our genetic counselor told me she's seen two cases of families pursuing termination and subsequently learning the NIPT was a false positive which is just so sad. I know I will never feel good about this decision, but I also know that the range of experience with Down syndrome varies greatly and we cannot handle the WCS. What's that? What's WCS? Uh, I don't, with, I don't know. I don't know. Services? Add to this that our child will not have any cousins and at this rate, any siblings, but will have older parents. And I personally have so much anxiety at the thought of leaving behind a special needs child slash adults with no one slash adult with no one to support him or her. I have a lot of feelings right now. I'm terrified of this week of trying to get pregnant naturally again of those two inconclusive embryos of trying IVF again and failing at this again. I also feel quite alone. Some of this is the waiting period and not having spoken in detail with doctors. Some of this is Googling things like how soon can you try to get pregnant after an abortion? And the only results assume that you don't want a kid instead of desperately want a kid. I guess I'm wondering if you've ever heard of groups for people in similar situations or NIPT results that were false positives, although I'm not sure hope is what I really need right now. Or something that says it's okay if you've lived off mac and cheese instead of lean proteins and organic vegetables, you have not ruined your chances. Looking at my history, those lean proteins and organic vegetables don't seem to have done much good, but at least I could control that. When will my body look normal again? We're supposed to be meeting my parents who know nothing about the pregnancy or IVF at the beach in March. Admittedly, this probably doesn't need to be my focus, but right now my body is just a reminder of what I most likely don't and won't have. Also, my husband live in the Pacific Northwest as transplants. Most of our friends have left as part of the great resignation. Oh, that's interesting. Last week, we got permission to work remotely full time and we're planning to move back to the East Coast to be closer to family and friends. I don't know what to do now. Look for a new fertility doctor. The IVF waitlist through my current doctor is already five months long and I'm getting older every day. Buy a house that we may never fill with children, stay in a city where we don't want to live and have not that much support so that we can continue with our current fertility doctor. I'm so tired of feeling like my life is on hold. Wondering if you or other listeners have advice here. You're probably going to suggest I see a therapist. I have one. My husband has one and we have a couple's therapist. My therapist is about to go on maternity leave as she... Like seemingly everyone else I know is pregnant. So it is true that I need a new one and I hate the idea of starting over there too, but that is where I'm at. Anonymous, 2,600 square feet in the Pacific Northwest. One husband, one reactive dog. We adopted him at the very beginning of the pandemic and later learned he's been shot seven times. Jesus. Which explains some of the reactivity. Thankfully, he loves taking his medication with easy cheese, peanut butter, cream cheese, really anything. Zero hot dogs in 2022, holding up for summer slash not wanting to throw up at the thought of meat. P.S. Loved. Thanks for waiting from a fellow late bloomer. And then we did get a uh, an update from this listener a, co- a few days after she sent her first email. Um, and she wrote, as a follow-up, we went for the invasive testing yesterday and learned that I had a missed miscarriage about two weeks ago. I guess I should feel some relief that this is out of my hands. And we have an explanation of why that happened, but I'm just so sad. And also, why can't my body even miscarry properly? I'm scheduled for a DNC on Monday. That being said, I'm still wondering about your Facebook group slash privacy and how to think about life questions. Trying again, moving, not feeling like I'm waiting for my life to start, etc. I mean, that is the heaviest top of the show email I've ever read. It's pretty heavy. I mean, goodness gracious. That is uh, quite a tale. Let me uh, first address the things that I can address, i.e., you're living in a city you don't like, both of you. Leave. 
go back to the East Coast. I mean, what are you doing in the Pacific Northwest at this point? And if everybody, all your friends are, have left and you really have no support anyway, go. I mean, if an IVF doctor is the only thing keeping you in that city, obviously there are others out there. Yes, I, I 100% agree with Matt. I was going to say the exact same thing. I think that it's it, it, like the just, just, you know, the things you have control over, right? Like where you live, those are things that you can change. Whether or not you're going to get pregnant is something that you really don't have a ton of control over. Yeah. Believe it or not. Um, so GTFO, go east. If you can work remotely, fantastic. Uh, set up shop on the East Coast and get a new doctor out there. Okay, that's that's the one thing. Uh, and then look for a new fertility doctor. Yes, I know the IVF wait list is long. Your current doctor, but you know, might not be as long wherever you end up. Uh, buy a house that you may never fill with children. Yep. Buy a house specifically to not fill with children? No, buy a house. You, you know, buy a three bedroom and then hopefully one day you do have to move because it's not big enough for you and your family anymore. But buy a house. Um, don't stay in the city and uh, stop feeling like your life is on hold by taking actions with some things that you can take action with, like moving. Okay. I agree with all of that. And I also just want to say, I'm sorry for everything that you've been going through. It does really suck. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with, with Matt's advice. And according to Dory, you can join a group without anyone knowing. Yes. Um, Is there any setting you have to tick off on that or you just, no, it's it? a, it's a private group. Um, it used to be the case that Facebook would show all the groups that you were in, even mm -hmm. if they were private. They changed that a few years ago. I think because of issues like this, like people were in these sensitive groups that, you know, they didn't necessarily want everyone yeah. to know about. Um, so that means that our group is not public. It does not show up that you join the group anywhere, etc. cetera. Um, if you are really, really concerned about it though, I know what some people have done is they have created a second Facebook profile that's like more sort of anonymous and has, you know, doesn't have any friends that they actually know right. IRL. And then they use that to join, you know, groups that they don't necessarily want people. But again, it, that is like an extra layer of anonymity. I think that would be, I think sometimes people do that if like they know people in the group Okay, sure. You know what I mean? Whatever. And like, but anyway, that could also be an option for you if, if you want to go down that road. Um, so anyway, we're thinking of you definitely move. I feel like you need a reset and I think moving would help offer that reset for you because, you know, you would move, you would be closer to family, you would find a new therapist, you'd find a new fertility doctor. It would be kind of uh, starting over. A fresh start. A fresh start. And it sounds like that's what you need right now. Yes. Uh, but yeah, what a what a what a shit time you had. Sorry, Hopefully I did your time can be better. I did kind of front load the top of the show with some Cool. Some some exciting more 
So if you're here to hear about jams, stay tuned. <laughs> do you do you want to read the next? Sure. Email? This is another anonymous. Uh, we've been trying for over four years with pretty continuous failures every step of the way. We're both now 37. PCOS, bad sperm, bad eggs, I guess. Early in 2021, we did our first round of IVF at a hospital reproductive clinic. We had to wait five weeks to find out all, all of our embryos uh, were anu- aneuploid and not compatible with life. Uh, we're absolutely crushed. There's continuous miscommunication with the nurses, but overall I like the MDs and nurse practitioners. We still have one transfer we prepaid for with them. Midsummer, we were going to... S- we started going to a much larger clinic, did two cycles. I was drawn to them by all the glowing success stories from the regional Facebook group and support group I attend, id. Out of two cycles, creating 28 fertilized embryos, we have one low-level mosaic. This is mostly because our embryos did not make it to blastocyst. We found out today that the clinic will not transfer a mosaic. I can say my experience with them hasn't been great. The nurses have been wonderful, but I've only been able to follow up with my doctor for about 15 minutes. Did we try to get back to the first clinic? Has anyone done this? I feel so ashamed. You shouldn't. Uh, what do I say to my old doctor? You can say that you... Anyway, we can say, say what happened. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Doctors don't take it personally. Should I try to go to a third clinic? At this point, should we decline genetic testing and just go with whatever makes it to day six? What would you do? Thousand square feet, bungalow by the beach. Can't afford bigger space. They bought it long ago, and now everything is nearly $1 million. I mean, as is probably your bungalow, so sell it. Um, Just kidding. Okay, that's someone in the Northwest. Also, where where are we with this story? Um, I mean, I would go back to your first clinic Mm -hmm. and do at least one more round with them, especially since you still have a transfer that you prepaid for. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I would do that, see how that goes. And then if you still feel like you need you know, a third opinion, then you could look into going to a third clinic. But I would first go back to your first clinic. Don't feel ashamed. This happens all the time. Like, yeah, people... don't feel like if you're feeling ashamed about going to a different doctor. Is that what you're saying? No, I think she's feeling ashamed about that she left the first place and now she's coming back. And like, will they think less no, of her? They won't even know. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's they, so many people cycling through. Yeah. Um, you're you're a bunch of data points. So, um, so yes, go back to the first place. Go for another round. Uh, and genetic testing. Decline it. I don't know. I I don't know. If you prepaid for a transfer, you'd want to make sure that transfer had every chance of success which is what the genetic testing would afford you. Um, so that's that's the logic on that side. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. Um, so. Hello, Bo. <laughs> Bo, uh, <laughs> Bo Snout has appeared in the window, the, the sliding door window. Dory's going to open it up for him and see if he decides to join us. 
Oh, Dory's water has... Wow, that's a that's quite a spout. Thought it was more of a straw situation. Hello, Bo. Welcome. Can um, well, guys, Bo came in. We got some water spilled. Bo has left. I think he was just coming in to ask us to let him back in the house. Well, uh. Uh, success. Yep. He did. All right. Um, we, we have, have another have, email from Anonymous. Uh, the same Anonymous? No. A different Where Anonymous. Is this? It's right. Uh, right below, I see. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Dear Matt and Dory, I've long been a fan of the Shafri reverse, but this is my first time writing into Excellent Adventure. You guys have that was me. I turned off Dory's microphone like a silly goose. You guys have buoyed me during some pretty tough times. Sorry that this has become something of an essay, but I'm a bit lost and looking for some guidance. My husband and I began fertility treatments in 2018, and our beautiful boy was born via IVF in January 2020. Needless to say, the world changed pretty drastically not long after that. My husband works in cancer research, not the fancy private sector kind, but the unglamorous but noble public university kind and is in graduate school, and I'm a high school teacher who has been in person since the fall of 2020. Our son has been in daycare, and we have no family in our town. Suffice it to say, this has been a very scary, exhausting, lonely, and uncertain introduction to parenthood. I'm not sure my son has been in daycare for longer than two weeks straight in his entire life. I also dealt with some pretty severe postpartum depression, even before the pandemic hit, an unwelcome surprise after a pregnancy that had been so wanted. We had always talked about wanting two kids. When we began IVF, however, we told ourselves that we could adjust to being one and done. However, we were pleasantly surprised to learn that our first round of IVF had resulted in five PGS-tested, quote-unquote, normal and high-quality embryos. After our first transfer was successful, we excitedly began to entertain the idea of having two kids again. We are both very close to our respective siblings. But fast forward two years into a pandemic, and my husband has decided that he cannot have any more kids. Between our tight financial situation, both of our tendencies toward depression, and the hellscape that this pandemic has been for parents of young kids, he can't imagine us having any more. He fears that I will resent him one day for this, but he knows he would resent me if I forced us to have more kids. I love my husband. He's a great partner and wonderful father who believes in the equitable division of labor and parenting, but I want another child so much. The idea has just taken root in my heart, and I can't seem to dig it out. Complicating matters is the existence of the other embryos. I'm not a particularly religious person. I do not not have moral qualms about not using the embryos or donating them to science one day. But there's a part of me that does think it is a waste to try to not try to have another baby when I worked so hard to produce them so many shots and when I had so clearly envisioned our life with two children. A part of me has already imagined that one of them is my son's sibling. And I hate that this choice was taken away from me even as I know that to try to have another child would mean taking away my husband's choice. So here's my advice signal portion of the letter. No idea what you would call this signal. How do I deal with this? Do I hold on to my son's baby items, holding out hope that things could be different in five years when my husband has finished graduate school and we may be in a different socioeconomic situation? He seems pretty certain that this is how he will feel going forward, but he says he's willing to talk about it again in a year or so. Or do I grieve this as a loss, get rid of the baby stuff, we have no storage, and adjust my thinking to all of the wonderful benefits of having an only? I am in therapy, but I don't know that it has been all that helpful in this arena. Hot dog count two, boiled over a fondue pot during a snowstorm-induced power outage. Love it. Wow. 1,500 square feet, 
in Virginia with one dog, one cat, and one active toddler who also loves super wings. Nice. Well. Uh, all right, Dory. Uh, here are my thoughts. At the Towards the end of your letter, mm-hmm. you said... I want to quote. He's willing to talk. About He's it willing to talk about it again in a year or so. Mm-hmm. We're in a pandemic. It's been an extremely challenging two years, and you had a baby. For you know, I mean, you still have a very young child, <laughs> but yeah. for the first like year of the pandemic, you had a, a very, very, and you have an infant, and you're not in your family. I mean you've just gone through an incredibly challenging couple of years and it's not over. So, you know, I don't want to say that this is definitely situational, but I, I feel like when your husband says, let's revisit this in a year or so, I, I think it's worth revisiting when we are not in a global pandemic. Whenever that might be. Whenever that might be. But it doesn't sound to me like the door is fully closed. It does seem like you've kind of imbued the baby clothes with like a lot of symbolic meaning. And to that, I would say pick out a few items that feel really special to you and get rid of the rest. There's so many um, like mom groups on Facebook and buy nothing and next door where people are getting rid of baby clothes all the time you will not have any trouble fully outfitting your next child if he or she comes to exist in free clothes so that i would say should not be a concern and also like by that point is so what your worst problem is i need to buy new clothes right new baby yeah okay yeah that's what you need to do then yeah exactly get rid of the shit get rid of the shit that you don't need in the house right now and then live a live a slightly less cluttered year. Re reassess with your husband, and uh, hopefully the outcome is different. And who knows? In a year, maybe you'll be like, no, yeah. I mean, I doubt it, but you never know. Uh, but yeah, it's been so bananas that you know. I was thinking about this yesterday or the day before. I just was like sitting and thinking about having Henry now and like the how fucking wild it is that for the first we did his first birthday over zoom yeah and his second birthday over zoom no we didn't we had a party in the park well with the family I mean oh yeah you know anyone that wasn't local couldn't yeah be here yeah um and you know he doesn't as a result, I, do, I think he's like socially developed a little slower than others mm-hmm. that might have. I know. definitely see the difference with kids who have siblings. Yeah, thousand percent. Socially. Yeah. I think they're better adjusted. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I just think about it and I just think it's so bananas that we had to do this for the first couple of years of his life, just live through this fucking hellscape. <sighs> anyway, I mean the world being else, not no, yeah, our of course, family. yes, yes, yes. I got that. Um, so that's our advice, listener. Yeah, give your husband a beat, especially you know finishing grad school and this shit. Also, like the the really difficult part for you guys. I mean, knock on wood is over. You have five 
great embryos waiting for you. And you've, you, you can get pregnant and, and you can get pregnant. pregnant. So like, you know, if it, if it doesn't happen in, you know, six months, hopefully in a year or two, or like Matt said, maybe you will change your mind. I mean, we don't know. I, but I do think getting out of the pandemic and like just letting that part of our lives hopefully come to a close is going to change things for a lot of people. Put some of that in your rear view. Yes. I would love to put some of that in my rear view. Oh my God. Could you imagine? Just like, I mean, it's a, it's just at the point now where it's like, we don't even think about all the bullshit that we go through on a daily basis because of the stupid pandemic. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I got to make sure there are masks in the car. I've got to make sure there's a mask in my golf bag. I gotta yeah. Make sure there's like, I can't like go to dinner really with, a, you know, I got to think about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Ay, ay, ay. Ay, yay, ay. All right. Do you want to do a uh, voice memo now? We can do that. Do let's do, do, let's do these two voicemails now and then we'll take a break. Okay. So, let me just get this, give that to you. And uh, our highly scientific uh, sound equipment will be ready to present whenever you are. Um, so I do just want to note that we did get a few responses to the listener last week who was asking for advice about her child who was crying all during daycare. Yeah. Um, so we're going to play a couple of them. If we didn't get to yours, I'm sorry, but um, here we go. Good morning, Matt and Dory. I wanted to call and provide some feedback to the caller who is discussing her child's separation anxiety at school. We experienced this as well when our son was, oh gosh, probably 13, 14, 15 months old. And so we spent a little bit of time to construct a book that was just for him about his morning, his day at school, and what life would look like when he came home from school. And I say we constructed this book because we took pictures of him doing things that he loves. And then his school has a social media page. And so I actually went on there and took some of the pictures down with his teachers and his friends so that it wasn't just a hypothetical story about some kid going to school, but it was a story about our son going to his school. So here's how his book read. It said, yay, Bodie, it's time to go to school. Let's grab Grammy Lammy and get in the car. School is up the road. It's not very far. We'll say hi to your teachers and play with your friends. Circle time, blocks, and books, the fun never ends. And when the school day is done, we'll have family fun. We'll play with Bear Dog and Sloth Family. We'll play your piano too. We'll climb our tower and triangle, and we'll eat yummy food. But for now, Bodie Dane, it's time to go to school. Have fun and learn lots. Mommy and Daddy love you. So on each part of that story, there were pictures of our son doing things that corresponded with what we were writing about. So for example, let's grab Grammy Lammy and get in the car. That was a picture of him in his car seat with his favorite lamb stuffed animal. Or we'll climb your tower and triangle. That's the kitchen tower and the pickler triangle. When we talked about seeing his friends and teachers, those were the pictures from the social media pages. So 
that's how we helped him. We read that book literally every single morning before we went to school as part of his going to school routine, which Dory recommended and I can't recommend enough as well. So we read that book. Now he's over two years old and we don't physically have to read the book together, but he knows it verbatim and he'll often read it to us. So when we say, hey bud, it's time to go to school in the morning, he will start saying from the very first page, yay Bodhi, it's time to go to school. And he can recite the whole thing by heart. So I hope this is helpful, the idea of a morning routine for school and maybe pairing pictures with that experience in a really child-specific book. That was our strategy. I hope it's helpful to you. Wishing you the best. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. I mean, points to you for getting those rhymes in there. And uh, I mean, just sounds like a great book. Yeah. I want to know about Bear Dog, Bodie Dane. And the sloth family. And the sloth family. Like, what's going on there? How many sloths are there? Is there a mama sloth, a papa sloth? Is it two mama sloths? Like, what's going Could on? Today I asked Henry if I was his daddy, and he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> how did Which that, I thought was so funny. How did that come up? I forget. Uh... I, th- I I I I don't know. I think I was just thinking about Dida, the name he calls me, mm, yes, and I was yes. like, "Does he equate Dida to Dad, or right. does it does is is to it's him? Just, it's just my name." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Dida? Mm-hmm. So I asked him the question. Apparently now I got the answer. Your name is just Dida. My name is just Dida, and I'm not his dad. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Um, I love that. I mean, it was also, that was cool because, I mean, that was something that I suggested, but it was nice to hear like the, an actual one in action. Yeah. All right. So we got one more voicemail about this. Hi, my name is Becca and I'm calling about the kiddo who's having a really hard time with daycare, um, crying all day and things like that. And I agree with Dory that the teacher's reaction seems completely inappropriate and atypical for a early childhood professional and it makes me feel like the teacher might be really exacerbating the problem probably not causing it but exacerbating it and certainly making it take longer than it needs to and I don't know probably just be worse if she's so frustrated and stressed that that's what she's communicating to the parents I can't imagine she can hide that you know perfectly from a kid kids are very um, intuitive so um, it feels like that's not okay, and I don't know if it, there's any possibility of trying a different daycare. I know that's insane. I would dissolve into a puddle if someone suggested I do that right now, but if it is a possibility, it might be worth it, and, and finding out what their practice is around crying and transitions. Um, but I'm just really sorry, and I would just say the problem is not the child or the parent, so the teacher. Um, a couple other suggestions I have, first of all, um, Dory talked about books. I just wanted to recommend Llama Llama Mrs. Mama. It's brilliant for this. It's about Llama's first day of preschool, but you could say daycare. And it walks through the whole day and really validates his emotions. And it's, it's really beautiful. And my, my daughter wants to read it constantly as it narrates her day as well. <clears throat> um, and then the other thing is both my kids' current preschool and the one we're changing her to, which are completely unrelated preschools have had the same experience that surprised me. So I wanted to share it. They changed their drop-off protocols because of COVID 
to outdoor drop-off, kind of like elementary school. The kids, uh, the parents have to get the kids out of the car seat, but besides that, a teacher brings them into the school. And both of these preschools have said that they're considering keeping this even once COVID no longer demands it because it has virtually eliminated tantrums and and crying and, and hard transitions. For some reason, it's been so much easier for kids to transition outside and go into the classroom with the teachers. And they've all been shocked by it, that and it seems sense. counterintuitive to me, but they said that's, our they, preschool that's too. just what they have found. And so um, I just thought I would share that in case that's something worth trying, either at the current daycare or a new one. Is They, they thought it might be because that way the parents are never even in the space. So it's yeah. not like they brought their kid to a space and then left them there. Mm-hmm. It's that they said goodbye outside and then the kid went into the space on their own. And so it was their own space the whole time. So I don't know, but that that's been apparently shocking and they're going to continue. So that is my advice. Uh, well, it's like crossing a threshold as a kid, you know, it's like, you know, your brain just sort of resets itself. Like well, it's like, what's in here? Oh, these are the things that are in here. And if I'm in there with him, then it's like, well, dad should be in here. Sorry, Dita. I, I, our preschool director was saying that she thinks it has something to do with, it gives the kids kind of more agency because they're the ones saying goodbye to the parents. They're leaving the parents instead of the parents leaving them. Yeah. And she thinks that, but she had the exact same um, experience she said with the kids. So very interesting. Um, All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to hear another voicemail from Becca. She followed up with a voicemail on a different topic. Gotcha. All right. We'll be right back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, we're back. Hello. Are you ready to hear from Becca again? Yes. Okay. Hi, this is Becca. Um, I just left advice for the, the kid who was crying at daycare, but I still had my own question, and I figured it would cut me off before I got to my question. <laughs> so this called back and for my completely unrelated question, which is, my daughter is three, and she has always hated the feeling of water on her face. And we've seen no improvement at all in in three years. Baths and showers are completely miserable. Swim lessons have been hard, and and she hasn't really progressed very far because she won't do activities that involve, like, splashes or blowing bubbles or things like that. And she doesn't have fun in the pool because kids splash around her. Um, For some reason, her favorite snow activity is to make snow angels. No idea why, but she flips out if it's snowing still and it falls on her face. Um, So you all have talked a lot about sensory issues, and I've been trying to pay attention to see if there's other sensations and, like, a bigger pattern, but it really just seems to be water. And so I was just wondering if you all or anyone else have any advice for how to help her through this. 
um, is there a way to get to the other side of this? Um, see, she's reaching a size and like dexterity that it's getting almost impossible to to clean her without her cooperation. And so that's like the most urgent part of it. But all these fun activities are kind of on hold too. So really appreciate any any advice you can give. Um, I live in Colorado in about 2,000 square feet with the one science baby, my wife, our cat, and another science baby on the way. And therefore, no hot dogs because I'm pregnant. <laughs> the kiddo has had their fair share of hot dogs. So thanks so much. Bye. I have I wonder. I'm curious as to if the um, if your daughter has uh, is it like could she get her hands? She can get her hands wet. I'm assuming, correct? Apparently, it's just her face. Has, have you tried to show her how to wash her face? Like have her do what you're doing, where you get the hands wet and then put the wet hands on the face. I'm only saying that because it's like a slower transition to the temperature change than water. Hmm. And I think if you start with like wet hands on the face and then maybe she can slowly graduate to like really wet hands on the face. Um, and then maybe she can splash water on her face. But I think the key here is for her to do it herself. Um, make a game out of it. Just trying to think of what I would do with Henry if that was the case. And that's probably what I would do. I mean, what I was going to say is I don't think it would hurt to get her evaluated for sensory stuff because you say that, you know, you haven't noticed anything else. But I feel like there are things that a professional will notice or be aware of that, like, might not even occur to you as something that could be an indicator of having a sensory issue. Mm. So... I would maybe just get her evaluated anyway. And like, if they're like, no, she has no sensory issues, then like, great. Then you can try to figure out some other strategies. But if she does, then they will help you and help you figure out um, some strategies to kind of make her more comfortable. Reasonable. Like navigate that. Yeah. Um, all right, Matt, mm-hmm. you got a fan letter. Okay. From Karen. Not Karen Vladek. Um, obviously. Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for helping me get through the last 24 months. Full disclosure, I'm childless by choice, but ran across you both through Alison Rosen is your new best friend and Nerdist and thought, I like the cut of your jibs. Matt is totally my favorite. Thank you. Unless this is Dory reading, then you're totally a legend. Well, Dory wow. is a legend. I she get hates it. me. I have a long bus journey through the dark Scottish highlands to get to work. <laughs> and it is always made fundamentally better by listening to your honest and funny banter from Karen in St. Combs, Scotland in 2000 square feet by the stormy North sea. No quines Doric for girl child or loons boy child. One 17 year old cat and deaf zero hot dogs. Cause yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Someone in Scotland, the home of Haggis, is saying yikes to a hot dog. Wow. Good point. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you guys have figured out how to fry everything, and we are just, you know, trying to take your lead and improve upon it by frying other things. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I'm jealous that you live in 2,000 square feet near the North Sea. That sounds very 
cold and wet to me, and I love it. Your dream. Ugh. Can I stay with you? <laughs> um, all right. We got a text that said, Dory mentioned Facebook groups this week. Which groups is she in? I joined the Safe Sleep group on her recommendation, and they have been a wealth of information. Not to mention a nice change from my often cringy due date group. Any other Facebook parenting groups that get the Dory seal of approval? <laughs> well, um, yes, there is a group called, I'm just looking it up, Evidence-Based Feeding and Parenting formula breastfeeding and more um that i like a lot there's also a series of groups um uh, yes raising children without the woo um and then they also have a few other groups raising children without john woo movies (laughs) yes um basically i i think most groups that self-identify as evidence-based are going to be kind of like where you want to spend your time. Um, The other group that I like a lot is the visible child group. They have like very strict rules. I think they only accept new new members the first week of the month. Um, And then when you join, if you're a new member, you can't comment for like three weeks or something. Um, they want you to like really read all this, but I find them to be very helpful. Um, they're very aligned with like Rye principles. Um, so yeah, so I would, I, those are some of my recommendations. Um, all right. This is from Phoebe. Hey, Mandori, I'm a new listener to your podcast. A few weeks back, I told a friend, Annie, if you're listening, that my husband and I were going to start IVF and she recommended I listen to your show. She never struggled with infertility, but said she enjoyed just listening to you guys talk. And I thought, what a weirdo who listens to a podcast about a subject irrelevant to their life. But, oh boy. I remember when we used to say that. Sure do. Do I get it now? I wanted to start your story from the beginning. So I started with episode one and I've just finished episode 30. So I hope you still take listener emails. Sure do. Maybe I'll find out in 333 episodes when I'm caught up. However, seeing as I know your IVF results now, thanks to Dory mentioning Henry in an ad. (laughs) second person in two weeks (laughs) maybe i can start listening to the new ones too anyway i'm very lucky to work for a company with amazing fertility benefits they cover three full cycles the company is salesforce if anyone wants to try and get a job there to abuse the benefits i support it so i froze eggs got eight mature ones a few years ago when i was a single 34 year old woman living in new york with a ticking body clock and no prospects and then my husband and i did a round together 14 months ago when i was 36 And got one healthy embryo. Um, That is on ice. All this was just supposed to be insurance for our future family. But here we are a year after pulling the goalie with no luck so far. (laughs) So I'm going for an HSG exam next Monday. And we'll figure out the action plan with our doctor after that. So that's how I came to be a listener. My husband's sperm isn't dumb. And my eggs are a little old. I'm 37 and a half now. But hopefully we'll have a happy ending like yours. Weirdly, my question for y'all is not IVF related. As I sit here, having survived my first real nor'easter with our backyard covered in three feet of snow, which my husband tells me won't melt for months. Ugh, why do we live here and not in California? I'm taking stock of the fact that I've lived in Boston for almost two years and have made zero friends. I moved up here from Brooklyn right as COVID hit. It was a really challenging time to move to a new city for obvious reasons. And for the first year, 
I had plenty of distractions. My then boyfriend and I enjoyed exploring Boston and greater New England. I was super busy with work. And then there was wedding planning after we got engaged six months after I moved up. For the last year, I consoled myself saying, you're going to get pregnant soon and your life will be taken over by that. You'll find a mom's group and make friends that way. But it's been a year and still no baby and no friends. Over the two years here, I reached out to the few people I knew in Boston before moving up here, and I have seen a few of them, but it's been really tough to try and force my friendship on what would be considered acquaintances at best during a pandemic. I haven't made any work friends because no one is going back into the office, and my team is spread across the country anyway, and I can't rely on my previous way of making friends through sports. I used to play rugby and roller derby because I'm too old for contact sports. I tried softball, but everyone was 10 years younger than me, and they didn't like going out for beers after a game. Seriously, why play beer league softball without the beer? Sadly, all of my husband's friends have kids or are now pregnant, so we don't really fit in with them because we're not parents yet. And being around pregnant people is hard for me right now, and I love my husband, but I need my own friends and my own life. I'm fun. I'm smart. I read and I love the outdoors. I like sports and history. I'm a generally well-rounded human. Any advice on how I can make friends? Or do you have any friends in Boston who might want to be my friends? Much love to you and Bo. Gosh, I hope he's still around and kicking. I really got to get caught up on the podcast. Bo is still around and kicking. All my best. Phoebe. <sighs> Phoebe, I don't know how to make friends in a pandemic. I don't, I'm not sure how one would go about that, in all honesty. I In this pandemic, I have withdrawn so much into my home and self uh, that I have lost touch with so many dear friends and you know I feel awkward now even uh, reaching out so I I cannot give you advice here um well you know how I feel about that I think you should reach out to your friends I think they would be happy to hear from you yeah, but then what? Then they're going to want to hang out or something? And then I'm going to be like, well, where? Guys, what are we doing? There's outdoor places to go. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Phoebe, I emailed this to you because I, I normally just, we just respond to listener emails on the podcast. But since she is so far behind, I was like, yeah. I don't want her to hear this in a year and then be right. like. Anyway, so my suggestion was um to join the forever 35 boston face facebook group mm-hmm. um i'm in the group for some reason um and it's a really lovely group of people it's not it's i would say it's a moderately active group it's not like super active yeah. but it's not dead right. um people post there like relatively frequently and i feel like if you posted there and you and you kind of like laid it out people would volunteer to get together with you yeah it seemed there seems to be a mix of people in there with kids and without kids okay um and you know if i do say so myself i don't know if you're a forever 35 listener but i feel like forever 35 listeners like eggheads tend to be like pretty decent people yeah and and somewhat like-minded and uh you know we all just find each other yeah so that was that was my big suggestion Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but I agree with Matt. It, I mean, the pandemic just like makes it extra hard. And yeah, like you were saying, you can't even have like work friends. It's so, it's like so weird. <sighs> it's very hard. I feel you. I'm sorry. This is tough. This is very tough. All right. You should really, it'd be very funny to me if you just frequented the Bull and Finch, AKA Cheers, and just started to just 
be a regular there. Regular at Cheers, <laughs> and that's how you became first night friends. Uh, that's funny. Okay, um, switching gears. This is from Mary Jo. Hello, Matt, Dory, Henry, and Bo. This is really a recommendation for Dory. I was just listening to the last episode where you and Matt were talking about things to do instead of watching TV. You mentioned folks used to listen to the radio. And it reminded me that I wanted to recommend a podcast slash radio play called Homefront. It was produced by BBC Radio 4 to commemorate the 100th anniversary of World War I. It went on for four years, the length of World War I, but it was done in seasons, so not an everyday podcast. It began on August 4th, 2014, which is exactly 100 years from the day that World War I was declared. It follows a group of people in a specific couple of towns in England through the war. It's their experience at home in the war. It is amazing. It has different voice actors for different characters, and it's really like listening to a TV show. It's so well done, and it's really interesting to hear what the women were doing at home and the young boys who were about to be called up about what they were feeling. Since it covers the whole four years... It also touches on the politics and the social upheaval that was happening in the country at the time. There's even some diverse families and experiences portrayed like spoiler LGBTQ plus in the pot in the closeted years. It's so interesting to hear in real voices, just the mood and the attitude and the experience of the people at home in England during the war. I highly, highly recommend it as a podcast. You can either get, you can get either individual daily episodes or one that is the omnibus, which is a collection of all those from the week. I recommend the omnibus. So it's a more cohesive listen. The episodes in the Omnibus are all about 56 minutes long, so individual episodes in the other version would be five 11-minute sections. It does go in series slash seasons, so it's not like every day for four years. The first series is August 4th to October 3rd, 1914. The second series picks up in December 1914, etc., until the end of the war in 1918. I was so immersed in this story and the families involved. It gave me real insight into that time period and what real people were dealing with. I'm gushing now, but I really think you or any listeners that like historical fiction, particularly British historical fiction, would love it. I know this is a novel, so I'll just close with my details. Two adults, one eight-year-old, two cats, and approximately 1,500 square feet in the Triangle area of North Carolina, approximately three to four hot dogs so far in 2022, but a couple were turkey dogs, so I don't think they count. <laughs> um, wow, quite a recommendation. Dora, you have a master's in European history. I do. This sounds great. It sounds right up your alley. It does sound right up my alley. And you know what I was thinking? This sounds like the perfect thing to do whilst also like knitting. Yes. The perfect thing to do while knitting. Or doing a puzzle. Oh, wow. Or what about building a Lego? Or building puzzle? a Lego what if set. You build a Lego knitting needle. Or building a Lego knitting needle. What? Um Thank you for this recommendation. Okay, we have finally gotten to the text that was promised. Oh wow! At the top of the show, I forgot already. Can you believe that? That's how wow. long. That's how bad I was at teasing it. <laughs> well, that's how long we've been going since we first I mean, uh, mentioned it. You're not wrong. I know. We've got eight minutes, uh, and then we can't do it anymore. Okay, so Beth sent in this text. She said, halfway through episode 363, yay for making music together. An app suggestion for your new Saturday evening activity as used by my musician and music teaching husband, Audio Stretch. It slows down a song for you while maintaining the original key. That w This way you can play literally at your own speed. Oh, that sounds cool. Mm -hmm. Also, one key thing about the instruments you both play and your ability to jam along with songs with varying degrees of ease 
guitar players are almost always taught to play tab and strum along with stuff. That's one of the primary ways guitar players make music. In fact, many never even learn how to read music and have no idea what notes they're playing. They just know when the tab says E minor, they touch these strings. (laughs) Piano players, on the other hand, are taught to read each note and not jam. So totally different learning slash playing styles. It didn't surprise me at all that it was easy for guitar and hard for piano. That's how those instruments work. Not that playing guitar is easy. It's not. But the learning to play songs part is significantly accelerated compared to most piano. Husband teaches trumpet, ukulele, piano, and guitar. The first few lessons for each instrument is so different. And the speed at which students get to making, quote, music is also really different. Ukulele, guitar, piano, trumpet, in that order of students sounding like music. Perhaps Dory chooses the song on Wednesday, but not till Matt till Saturday. She gets a chance to find her feet, and then you both can start at a similar pa- place not together. A bad idea. Beth from the freeze slash thaw slash freezing rain slash idiotic freedom trucker convoy <laughs> capital of North America that is Edmonton, Alberta, six hundred fifty square feet, two adults, two cats, no more golden retriever. Aww. Died in November. Oh, sorry. Zero hot dogs in twenty twenty two for now. Um. I mean, some great key, uh, whatchamacallits. Points? Points, yes. Also, I will say that I know what notes I'm playing on a guitar. Can you read music? Yes. Okay. I played not only guitar, but I also played um, trombone, which was bass clef. That's right. So, back the F off, Beth. (laughs) We're not all dingbats. (laughs) I don't think that's what she was saying. But, you know, when given the opportunity to have a tablature in front of myself, I'd ra- much rather do that. Hmm. I'd much rather see, because t- tab is just such an easier way to play the instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I can, but like, where, whereas I'm different from a lot of, uh, I don't know, novice guitar players is that I, if I'm told the key, I can play in the key and, and know which chords or notes go in the key. Um, which just is by virtue of having to study. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Beth. Thank you for seeing me and my piano. You're seen. I feel seen. Um, okay. Leslie writes, I'm thinking about going on a honeymoon over the summer. We've daydreamed about visiting Alaska curious if you went on a honeymoon if yes where and how did you plan it do you or any listeners have advice about how to plan a trip in general not disney this time but possibly in the future thanks for the show leslie we did have a honeymoon in the you know seems so long ago because of the free and easy travel between countries Mm -hmm. uh we did iceland and london Mm -hmm. um and how easy was it to plan well you just have to marry someone who's good at planning so that's all (laughs) (laughs) all right henry (laughs) um yeah i planned it i don't have like the strongest memories of the actual planning because by now it was you know six years ago but no seven years ago wow um but i said the I mean, I remember the trip vividly. But yeah, I remember the trip. But what I'm- was so funny is like I was walking one night when I was in London a few years ago in September. And I was walking down a street like King's Cross-ish is where I was staying. And then I was, I was walking and I looked, I picked up my phone and I looked at my phone and my phone was on a Wi-Fi. And I looked up 
and I was in front of the hotel we had honeymoon at. Your phone remembered. And I was like, oh, that's a sweet memory. Yeah. Um, I, I think if I, right now, were planning a honeymoon, me personally, I would use a travel agent. I mean, why not? Now that I've used a travel agent, I'm never going back. The internet supposedly killed travel agents, but, but I would argue that everyone just forgot how useful a travel agent is. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I I like never want to plan a trip again. There you go. Um, okay. Last email. Maybe your combined name can be Matador. I'm sure many others have come up with this. Uh, no. And maybe. <laughs> All right. Let's say thank you for that. And also say thank you to the people who support us on Patreon and get two bonus episodes every month at patreon.com forward slash excellent adventure. We thank everyone at the $5 level or above every month on the podcast. And if you join now, you get the back catalog of episodes. There's two episodes a month going back many years. So shit ton. Uh, so thanks to Abba N. Alec Meredith Fletcher and Florence Babel. Alex Liu. Alex and, Bell. Sorry, Amanda Powell. Amy. Andrew McClure. Angie James. Uh, Ann Fluker. Ann Kay. Uh, Anna Radliff. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, six, six anonymous people. <laughs> April Halwerda. Ariana Perry. Ashley Sicily. Aurora and Zelda. Ainsley. Becca Foster. Bethany Whipperman. Bianca Loria. Or Wiperman, probably. Uh, Brianne Hudson. Britt S. Baker. Bruno Macias. Carly Moore. Carolyn Crampton. Carolyn N. Kathy Hill. Shinami Worth. Christina. Claire Dealey. Crescent Martin. Crypto Matt. Cynthia Meisner. Danielle Nusiforo. Don. Deanna McLean. Diana Robinson. Diana M. Martin. Dr. Beverly Crusher. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next week. And uh, don't forget to email us, mandory at gmail, or call us 413-461-BABY. Bye. Bye.